You guys are the best. You're the best church family. I love serving here. I love getting to know each one of you. It is truly an honor um, to serve, and it's an honor to bring the word today. God has really been stirring this uh, message in my heart for many weeks, and so I'm humbled to be here and to be um, just used of him in this way. So can we start with prayer, and then we're going to dive right into the word. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you for your presence that is in this place. And Lord, I ask that every heart in this place now, that they would be soil that is good soil, ready to hear your word. Let your word take root and produce fruit in our lives. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so as we've said, today is Pentecost Sunday, and this is the day that God sent his Holy Spirit to empower and to embolden believers in Jesus to spread the good news throughout the world, and truly they turned their world upside down, and we're continuing to live that out today. And last week, Pastor Ron preached a powerful sermon on a vision of the New Testament church. If you missed it, you have to go back and listen. It is the vision for this house, for this season. It's also the vision for each one of us individually. I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But today I want to press in and talk about practicing the presence of God, practicing his presence. And to do that, we've got to start with a couple of definitions. The omnipresence of God. How many of you have heard that term before? The omnipresence of God. That is the very nature of God. He is everywhere at all times. There's nowhere that you can go that's away from God. That's his nature. But then there's the manifest presence of God. When his presence is revealed. And each weekend we come here together. We gather in community. We hear the word proclaimed. We worship together, and the omnipresence of God that's everywhere becomes the manifest presence of God. And it's powerful. His presence is obvious. It fills us up. I know I've had many incredible encounters with the Lord right here in this room among you, whether it's in worship or at this altar where God has spoken to my soul. There's power in the gathering of the church because there's power in God's manifest presence. And we're grateful for that. And it's important to do this. But today I want to talk about the between Sundays. Not replacing Sundays because we know that we're called to gather like this and experience his presence together. But my question is, can we experience the presence of God throughout the everyday? Can you, can I dwell in his manifest presence on a Monday morning, on a Tuesday afternoon, and so on? As powerful and impactful as these gatherings are, I see in the word of God that there is so much more. That the access that we have to the presence of the almighty God is not reserved for this corporate gathering only. It is for the everyday. When the word of God says keep in step with the spirit, it's quite literal. We can take every step with the spirit of God. So we're going to press into that today because I want you to walk out of here with a new renewed passion for God's presence. A renewed understanding and reverence for it. And let that empower you throughout this week. There is a purpose to every, that's original to every human being. It's by design. 
And living in that purpose is the only way to complete fulfillment. And so we're going to look back at Genesis chapter 1. This is where God creates the universe by just his power, just his word. The earth forms, land forms, and oceans, the sky, the sun, the moon. It's powerful. And then on the sixth day, he creates mankind. Let's look at verses 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that, we may, that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So mankind, each one of us, was made in the image of God, in his likeness. Now, the original text here is pointing to more than just a characteristic or a quality that we possess. It's actually pointing to who we are. We are made to be image bearers of God. We are not God or little gods, but we are patterned after his likeness. And that was on purpose, that was intentional by our creator because God had a master plan. He had this design idea that was birthed out of love to be in relationship with us. That was his whole purpose for us. Made in the image of God to be in relationship with God. But sin warped the human race. You know the story of the fall, Adam and Eve, they lived in the perfect garden, they had perfect relationship with God, they fulfilled the purpose that he had for them there, and then they were confronted with a choice. And when that serpent came and tempted them to disobey God, they did. They disobeyed the one command that he gave them, and that brought sin into the world. And since that time, every person has been born into sin. And while sin does not remove the reality that human beings are made in God's image, sin demolishes our ability to live in relationship with God because sin actually creates a barrier between us and God. It separates us from his presence. Sin is a prison of death that we cannot save ourselves from. Romans says that every one of us has sinned, every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. And so sin brought death to our original purpose. The whole reason why we're here, sin ripped that away and brought death to relationship with God. But the only thing stronger than the power of death is the power of resurrection life. And so God put his plan into action. You see, at just the right time, Romans chapter 5, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2 says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We were dead in sin, hopeless to ever save ourselves. But God, because of his love, sent Jesus. Jesus, who is the very image of God, to take on our punishment and to make a way for us to be restored to that original purpose, to be in relationship with God. And if you're here today and that's not something you've experienced before, to be restored to that relationship is the gift of salvation and it's available to you today. Your creator made you to know him. That's why you're here. The question is, why life? Why me? Why here? Why now? Because God made you to know him. And if you do not know him, today you can receive salvation. Now, our primary purpose is to be in this relationship with God, but salvation is just the beginning because now we have access to the powerful presence of God through his son, Jesus. And now we're choosing this life of lordship, that we live under his lordship. We live set apart to live holy lives. And this is only accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible tells us that the moment we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and dwells within us. And then we also see throughout the book of Acts and what we're celebrating today is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is available for every believer and he empowers our living. See the love of God at work here, reaching out to be with us because our very reason for living was ripped away by sin and death, but the power of resurrection not only overcame that power of sin and death, to make his presence available to be with us, but now through the power of the Holy Spirit to be in us. That is something to celebrate, amen? Second Corinthians chapter three points to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we're gonna spend some time here. Verses 17 through 18, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Now that word contemplate there means to reflect. So we all reflect his glory as we are transformed into his image, the very image that we were created to bear. So we're made in his image to be in relationship with God, to reflect the glory of God. Now, in order for an object to be reflected in, say, a mirror, it must be in the correct position, right? So let's say if I want a mirror to reflect my image, I have to position myself in front of that mirror. If we are to reflect the glory of God, we must position ourselves in his presence. I've heard it said this way, and this is the phrase that has just been stirring in my heart for months. You become what you behold. And we see that here in 2 Corinthians, that as we behold Christ, we become 
more like Christ. Now, what does it mean to behold? It's practicing his presence. It's the relationship that we've been created for that we don't just experience here on Sundays, but throughout every day. Beholding is being with him. The word behold is not just a glance and a walk away. It's taking the time. Beholding is intentional. Beholding takes personal discipline. It's one that requires focus. And those words, discipline, focus, intentionality, those are probably some of the most countercultural words out there right now. Because instead, the culture is telling us that we should get what we want when we want it because after all, we can at the, pretty much the snap of a finger. We should go after whatever we feel in the moment, feelings win the day, just indulge ourselves in every whim that comes our way, consume any and every kind of content that we want. And we can be so consumed with what the world has to offer that we don't take time to push away, to make the world quiet, to make ourselves quiet. Maybe it's not the world that's stirring up in your heart and mind. Maybe it's your own mind rehearsing and dwelling on thoughts that are not made in the presence of God. We have to be intentional. So if we're to be transformed into his likeness, how do we do this? How do we behold Christ? We have to submit to a lifestyle that welcomes his presence. When you walk out of here today, you have a week to have between now and next Sunday. And a lifestyle submitted to welcoming his presence will put you in the presence of God, fulfilling your purpose every day. So we're going to get really practical here first. It's priorities. Priorities. If you become what you behold, where do you spend your time? What are you beholding? And let me press this just a little bit. If there's something in your life that you've become that you don't like, you might need to get to the origin of what you're beholding that's creating you into that. Because the presence of the Lord transforms us into the image of Christ. And so if there's something that's not reflecting him, it could be that there's a priority issue. What time are we giving to behold Christ? We know what this looks like. It's worship. You want the quickest way into the presence of God? Worship God. He inhabits the praises of his people. Amen? Get into the word of God. We know what this is. Reading the word, submitting to its authority. Uh, The word is alive and active. Prayer, communion with God. We have access to the throne room of heaven and we can come boldly to his throne. And unfortunately, uh, in my generation, I've seen this a lot. Maybe in others, maybe some of you have said you've seen this. But we've tended to look at daily spiritual disciplines as legalistic. Every day I have to, have to, have to, oh, that's legalistic. So they just wrap them all up, every spiritual discipline, slap a label on it, and throw the baby out with the bathwater. And unfortunately, we're missing it because we know that we will prioritize what's important to us. Pastor said it last week. We intend to do what's important to us. Our intentions are good. But sometimes we avoid the life that would make that possible. 
And let me tell you, sometimes you just have to tell yourself to. I just have to tell myself to. David said in the Psalms, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. What is David doing there? He's bossing himself around. It's exactly what he's doing. He's saying, listen, you know the truth, and you may not feel like it right now, but out of your mouth will come the praises of the one who is worthy to be praised. Amen. So what are we doing when we, when we let the praises of God ring out of our mouth and our prayer and in our worship? What are we doing when we pour out gratitude? We're practicing his presence. So we have to be intentional. We have to set aside the time and the place where we know we're going to push away the world. We're going to make ourselves quiet and we're going to behold Christ. The second is position. Let's look at Psalm chapter 1. Verses one through three. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Look at that blessed person. They're the ones that look at the ways of the wicked. They consider the ways of the world, how they spend their time, where they spend their time, where are they sitting, what are they doing, and they see the outcome and they choose another way. When we see the way that the world lives through the Spirit of God who is alive in us, he opens our eyes to see that there's a better way. And not only opening our eyes, but we actually desire it because of the Spirit's work in us. And what does the blessed person desire and meditate on? The law of the Lord. So what am I going to do with position? I am going to position myself under the authority of the word of God. Look at Romans 12 and how it echoes Psalm 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Just like in Psalm 1, you see that pattern. Don't go that way. There's a better way. And here it is. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So what is practicing his presence? Positioning ourselves under the authority of the word of God. And when I do that, when I'm beholding Christ and the Spirit puts this desire for the Word of God in my life, then when I come to the Word of God, I come to it to inform me, to teach me what is right. And I'm ready to obey. I'm not saying it's easy at all times, but the desire from the Spirit in me puts that there, right? Here's the thing. You all are being conformed, all of us. We're being conformed into one image or another. It just, it happens, and when we are not spending time in the presence of God, by default, the world will shape our thinking. I'll begin, here's what the, the risk is here. 
that I begin to let my own presuppositions, my own opinions, or the opinions and thoughts of others begin to cloud my perspective and inform how I look at Scripture. And suddenly I come to Scripture as a judge with a lens clouded by human arrogance. And that's not the call when we walk in the Spirit. When I behold Christ and I practice his presence, what should well up inside of me is, word of God, come alive and active. Be sharper than a two-edged sword inside of me. Inform me and show me where I must come in alignment. It's the position that I place myself in that is practicing the presence of God. And here's the really cool thing about the Holy Spirit. Listen, it could take more than a year of sermons to even start to scratch the surface of what the power of the Holy Spirit does in us. But one of the things that Jesus promised that when he sent his spirit that he would be was a teacher and that he would lead us into all truth. So I want you to see this today, that when we make the word of God a priority in our life, when we are reading it regularly, studying it, then as we go along the way, the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance what we've read, what we've studied, and give us that opportunity to stay alignment in alignment with his word. It's powerful. It's powerful. Now, the third thing here is being present. How else can we welcome the Holy Spirit into our lives? How can we walk in the Spirit and practice His presence? Being present. There's a monastic practice that began centuries ago called statio. The meaning of statio is the moment between moments. So it's the time between stopping one thing and starting another. And when put into practice, it's all about being present where you're at, even in those transitional moments. Those seemingly insignificant moments can be turned into powerful moments of practicing God's presence. But here's the world that we live in, what I call the faster-than-ever-paced world. We're on the go. We move from one activity to the other one appointment or task to the other without any pause in between. We're just going. And to live in this ever busy, no, never slowing down pace of life, we push away the gift of the present. We also struggle to quiet our minds because it's on a hamster wheel. Have you ever seen them on there? Just go, 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 go. And we are living in a world that has never been so loud. We have so much information, so much material, so much media that often we use those things to numb out in the transition, those transitional moments, instead of engage with the presence of God. We can take the the advantage of those times to step into his presence. What does that look like? When I'm driving home from work, what I could do is I've finished the day at work and now I've already got in my head, what are we having for dinner? What practices do I need to get my kids to? What I could go down the list. Or I could practice statio. I could welcome the presence of God into that car. I could begin to worship him. I could begin to pray. I could turn on worship music and let that fill my mind and say, God, inhabit this moment between my moments. 
when you're finishing one task and you're moving to another, we can be so task-oriented. Or we can discipline ourselves to say, wait, this is a moment. I'm not going to pick up my phone in this waiting moment. Guilty. I'm saying that because I'm guilty. I'm not going to pick up my phone in this waiting moment. In this waiting moment, I'm going to welcome the presence of God. This is a good one for us parents. When you're taking the kids from home to school or school to home, or now that it's summer, from camp to camp or grandmas to wherever you're going through the summer, that's the perfect time to practice statio with your kids. A, because they're strapped in and they can't go anywhere. (laughs) But you're practicing the presence when you welcome God into your conversations. Listen, mamas and dads, we're tired. I get it. We could numb out. We could turn on that DVD player. We could turn up the music and just be like, get us to the next place. Or we could statio. We could welcome the presence of God in that car. Let me tell you, if you ask my kids, they're in here today, they'll tell you. There's been many a times where we've left the house in a total frenzy. We are rushing out the door. Somebody didn't do what they were supposed to. Somebody is not ready for, you know, y'all know. Parents in the room, you know what it's like. And we get in the car and we're zooming, I mean driving out (laughs) of the neighborhood. And there's been many times where I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, you could go here. You could stay in this frantic moment. Or you can take advantage of this moment. Stay show. And so we've had a lot of good conversations about it. And they're not out of perfection, let me tell you that. Because probably by that point, I've lost my patience once or twice. And so what I get to do in that moment is I get to say, guys, that was a rough morning. But you know, the mercies of God are new every morning. And we can step into his forgiveness and into his grace. You know, right now what we can do is we can start fresh because God is a God of new. That we get to be redeemed moment by moment. So you know what? Let's pray. Let's pray and take this minute to welcome God into this van. That's Stacio. And let me tell you, when you live and invite God's presence into those moments with your kids, you're teaching them that God is not just always with us. He's not just an omnipresent God. He's not just a part of our lives. He is our whole life. He is the way we live, the way we move, the way that we have our being. That is discipling the next generation. It is powerful. It's in the moments. And maybe it's with your spouse. I hear this a lot. It's really awkward to pray with my spouse. Yep, until you do it a lot. It's going to be awkward. It feels, you got to push past that. Because the presence of the Lord is what will hold you together, what will strengthen your marriage and any relationship for that matter. Welcome the presence of the Lord into the spaces and places of your life. Amen? All right, so we're made in the image of God to be in relationship with God, to reflect the glory of God, to then advance the kingdom of God. See, when we're in this type of relationship with God, when we're practicing his presence, we begin reflecting his glory, and our lives look different They're not perfect, but they're different because the promise is glory to glory. The way that we respond to people, to our spouse, to our family, to our coworkers, the way that we parent, the way we lead our businesses, the way that we do our jobs, 
how we reach out to our neighbors, how we care for others, our generosity, our lives will reflect God's glory. And that is his plan to advance his kingdom. In our spheres of influence, the glory of the Lord makes an impact. Now, I'm not painting a picture here of a struggle-free life. I'm not saying just go out and practice it. Quite the opposite. It takes dedication and grit and discipline to practice God's presence. Because we still have a real enemy. And we still live in a fallen world. And it's tough. There are difficult things around us, things that we have to process. There are difficult things in our own lives. But the author of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Paul, was not a stranger to difficulties. He lived a life of practicing God's presence in the midst of intense persecution. He wrote that passage that we looked at earlier that said we reflect the Lord's glory and we're being transformed into his image. And this was a letter he wrote to the Corinthians. And not many lines down that letter, this is what we find in chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. How's he doing that? Through the practice of the presence of God. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, focus, discipline. We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Here we have Paul practicing the presence of God and understanding the eternal weight of glory. Because we're not only made in his image to be in relationship with him and to reflect his glory and to advance his kingdom, but it's until we see him face to face. That is our blessed hope. With this eternal perspective, we can fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who finishes what he started. We sang it today. And one day we get to meet him face to face, and he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes, and we're going to behold his glory in the ultimate manifest presence. Amen. We're going to live there. That's something to be excited about. So when I practice his presence specifically in worship, this is where I see that eternal perspective. Because when I worship and lift him up and magnify him for who he is, it's like I bring a piece of heaven to earth. When I exalt him, I begin to gain confidence in who he is and I regain the perspective that I'm living this life not fighting for victory, but from it because he's still on the throne, because he already paid the price, because he is not taken off guard, because he is not shaken, and eternity belongs to him. That is the hope, and that is the perspective that drives my every day, every single day. That's our blessed hope. Our promise is secure. Nothing on this earth can compare to that weight of glory. Would everybody stand with me today?
I know that the Holy Spirit is here. And he, in his manifest presence, takes a word from God and makes it personal to you. And so right now with every eye closed, this is what we're gonna do is take a minute to reflect on our own lives. And you've heard the voice of the Lord in your heart. Whatever area of this message has tugged at your heart, you know what that response needs to be. And if you're in this room and, and you've never experienced salvation, today is the day of salvation. You can start fresh and new. You can be brought from death to life and to live in the purpose that God has for you. We wanna pray with you. We wanna lead you to Jesus and to the greatest adventure you will ever have because it never, ever ends. Maybe for some of you today, it's about that priorities piece. Or maybe it's the position of putting yourself under the authority of the word of God. Maybe it's practicing God's presence in the moment between the moments, those moments of statio. Maybe on this Pentecost Sunday, you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you want to experience the overflow of the Spirit of God in your life. Maybe you have but I want to remind you that Paul says in Ephesians 5 to be filled with the Spirit. And that word filled means to be filled and filled again. Why? Because we're walking and practicing the presence of God. And we cannot do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so whatever category you find yourself in today, this altar is open for you. The Lord is tugging at your heart for one reason or another, and he wants you here seeking his face. We're gonna practice his presence by spending time in worship, by seeking him together today. So as this team goes back into this song, come to the front and begin to seek God and practice his presence today.